and welcome to the With Flow podcast, a weekly show for purpose-driven, high achievers who are ready to ditch the hustle. I'm your host, Laura from Business With Flow, cyclical business mentor and systems and planning queen. My mission is to empower you to run your business and your launches without the burnout. In this podcast, we'll be chatting all things cycle syncing, intuition, and doing business your way combined with some of the more practical aspects, like systems and planning and tech. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the With Flow podcast. This week I have another guest expert to share with you. I am sharing an interview I did recently with Lindy Alexander. Lindy is an Australian freelance food and travel writer who regularly contributes to international publications like The Telegraph, The Guardian, The Sydney Morning Herald, and more. Now, not only is Lindy a very successful food and travel writer who gets to do some really cool and amazing things, She's also the founder of The Freelancers Year, which is a very popular blog and hub for online writing courses and resources for aspiring and established freelance writers. Lindy's been a client of mine for a while now, and I've got to see the behind the scenes of her business, not only um, the cool things she gets to do as a freelance writer, but what it looks like for her to have also on the side of being a successful writer, create a successful a side business, I guess, or sub-business where she coaches and mentors other writers to find that success. So in this episode, we're talking a little bit around what it means to be a freelance writer. Is it really as cool and glamorous as you might think? And Lindy also shares with us some of the things that she's learned as she's also built the course creation and the coaching and mentoring side of her business as well. So if you ever thought about becoming a writer, this is a great one to listen to. Even if writing isn't your thing, lots of the wisdom that Lindy shares when she talks about creating courses and launching is valuable for anyone who has an online business. So let's jump into the interview. Hi, Lindy. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you here. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited. This is going to be, I think, a very interesting conversation. You and I have obviously known each other for a couple of years and I've had some insight into the behind the scenes of your business. And I think for a lot of people from the outside looking in, they must look at freelance writers, particularly someone like yourself who does travel writing and food writing. They must think, oh my gosh, what an amazing job. Like you get paid to go on these amazing holidays and write stories about it. So I'd love to know how did you get there? Have you always been a writer or was it just something that kind of happened and then here you are? Mm, good question. Uh, so no, I haven't always been a writer. Maybe in some ways I've always wanted to be a writer, but I never thought it was a potential career path for me. I think I always saw it in two distinct ways. One, that I could be a journalist uh, or I could be a novelist. Mm. And I, neither of those particularly appealed to me. And so I didn't really engage with it any more than that. So I went to university, I got a degree in social work, I did my PhD in social work and I'd always written and I spent eight months living in Uganda 
And when I was over there, I'd write people emails and they'd say, oh, you should turn this into a book. You're such a beautiful writer. But, you know, people say things and I just took that with a grain of salt. When I was pregnant with my son in 2012, I was on maternity leave. And I think that that time provided me with really valuable space to think, what do I want to do? No one had any expectations of me. So I did a very short course in feature writing for magazines and newspapers. By the time that course had finished, I'd pitched an editor. So I'd sent an editor a story idea. They'd said, yes, we want you to write this for us. I'd written it and I'd been paid $400. And I suddenly thought, oh my gosh, this whole world had cracked open in front of me and thought, I could do this. Like someone will pay me to write. And so that was 2012. And then over the next few years, I did social work and I did freelance writing on the side until 2017 when I went all in, became a full-time freelance writer. And at that stage, I was still very much drawing on my social work and health background. I was writing articles for magazines, newspapers, online outlets, very much focused on mental health, women's health, a little bit of lifestyle. But I knew that I had this pull towards food and travel, but I just wasn't sure how to do that. And I felt very new and I also felt quite intimidated because I didn't have that journalism degree. Yeah, interesting. Is it is it as glamorous as it looks being paid to go on these amazing holidays? Because I follow you on Instagram and, my goodness, in the last year, yeah. some of the places you've been, <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah. And I mean, there's definitely Instagram versus reality. <laughs> and I know that I am guilty of showing the glossy side of travel writing. And there are definitely perks. And I think the first thing to know is that you're not getting paid to go on holiday. You're not getting paid to actually go on the trip. You're getting paid to write mm. the story afterwards. So yes, you have opportunities to often go to incredible places experience things that most regular people in quotation marks don't usually get the opportunity to do. Uh, but the other side of that is that you have incredibly long days, you have packed schedules because often whoever's organizing the trip for you, so that might be a tourism board, they want you to see and experience as many things as possible, meet as many people as possible, interview mm. as many people. So it's not uncommon for me to be away on a trip and to have to be told you've got 10 minutes before you need to be downstairs ready for dinner. And so in that time, I'm trying to have a shower because we might have done some adventurous activity. So I'm sweaty and I need a shower. So I'm trying to have a shower, trying to ring back home, trying to iron my <laughs> clothes for the evening and then be like rushing out the door. So there are definitely pinch me moments like helicopters, business class flights, meeting um, incredible chefs, eating amazing food. But there's also, um, yeah, a huge amount of work involved as well. Since 2017, obviously you went all in on this. And, you know, one of the things that I really like about what you do is that you're very open and transparent about your income and sharing that with people and sharing, you know, the highs and the lows of the business side of being a freelance writer. What was the decision that kind of made you want to start talking about that kind of thing as well as actually doing the writing? So I had a false start. A few years before 2017, 
I decided that I wanted to go full-time as a freelance writer and I spoke to some other full-time freelance writers who really spoke to me from their experience, which was, it's very difficult. It's very difficult to earn a living. You'll be lucky if you earn over fifty or $60,000 a year. You're forever chasing payments, chasing editors. It's hard to get commissions. Magazines are shut, shutting up shop. The the way that you get paid, it seem, it can be unusual to people outside of the industry, but often you get paid by the word. And no, that doesn't mean that you then suddenly get to put in all these extraneous words <laughs> in, in into your article to fill it out. But usually an editor will say, it's 800 words at 60 cents a word or 70 cents a word. And word rates haven't really changed much since I've started freelance writing. So a lot of people were saying to me, it's not really a great time to go full-time as a freelancer. And so I felt really disheartened mm. and I pulled back and thought, I don't think I'm ready. I, I don't think I'm ready and I don't know that I can replace my social work income as a freelance writer. So I waited for a few years. And in those few years, I was looking around for inspiration. Who else in the freelance writing world was doing well? Who else was talking about this? And I found an American freelance writer called Jennifer Gregory, who has a blog. She was on podcasts and she spoke so openly and transparently about how she was earning $100,000 or more a year from her writing. And I think sometimes just hearing what's possible, that someone else is achieving something makes you realise, well, maybe I could do that too. So in 2017, I had my second go and I was like, okay, I'm going to go full-time as a freelance writer. My partner took the year off work and he stayed at home with our young kids. And I decided that I was going to blog about it because in Australia, no, I couldn't find anyone who was sharing the nitty gritty behind the scenes of what it was like to run a freelance writing business. And I love, I'm someone who is always drawn to, you know, nuts and bolts behind mm. the scenes, pulling back the curtain and knowing what's actually under the hood of someone's business. And so each week I would write about things that I'd learned. And at the end of each month, I would do a recap of my month, how many stories I'd written, how many pictures I'd sent out to editors, how many new clients I'd received and how much money I earned. And at the start, in the first few months, I was really worried. I just am not someone who necessarily feels comfortable talking about money but I knew how powerful it was for me when Jennifer named that she was earning $100,000 a year. And so I thought I have to put my money where my mouth is. If I'm saying to people that it's possible to earn good money from freelance writing, I need to show my receipts. I need to say this is how much I earned. And it took me a few months because at the start I was like, oh, I've set an income goal. Oh, I hit my income goal for the month and I didn't name it. And then I think it was probably by the fourth month of 2017, each, each at the end of each month, I was saying, I, I am hitting $8,000, $10,000, $20,000 a month. And that was, it wasn't always like that. There were ups and downs, of course. But that was the thing I think that really resonated with people. And a lot of people in my audience are women. And I think they really appreciated that transparency. And so many people have said to me, it's just shown us what is possible. And to ask for more money or to ask 
clients to pay more or to bump their hourly rate because you can see someone else doing it. I love that. And I agree. I think it's, it is inspiring, but there is such a, particularly if you've come from the corporate world, there's this stigma and this hush hush and the secrecy around, you're not supposed to share with other people how much you're earning and and all of that, but when you actually have open and transparent conversations about it, it sh- not only shows people what's possible, but it helps them see where maybe they are, as you said, not asking for enough or could be charging more. So I think it's really great. I wish more people in the online business world as a whole were more transparent mm-hmm. about that because you see a lot of marketing and messaging that's like, oh, I had this six-figure launch or whatever it might be, but you actually don't see that they paid, I don't know, $80,000, for example, in ads to get that 100K income. And then actually they only made $20,000 profit or, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, I love it. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing that you are so transparent and willing to show people what's possible. Yeah. Well, it's scary, but I think if we don't have those conversations, it actually just silences so many of us and keeps us quite powerless and people have said I didn't even know that I could ask for you know $120 an hour I've been getting paid $45 an hour and of course it doesn't mean that it's automatic that suddenly you see what someone else is charging and you can charge that but it gives you a target or it gives you the idea of what possible and what you can aim for. Now obviously you know along the way and I'm assuming that this maybe was a an extension, I guess, of the the blogging process, but you, as well as continuing to work as a freelance writer, you have now become, I guess, a, a coach or a mentor, and you're actually teaching people and showing people how to create, you know, a good, healthy income as a freelance writer. And I'm going to make the assumption because it, it's, it's usually the case for a lot of things, right? We think, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this thing. And you might be really good at being a writer or whatever it is that, you know, your your thing is, but you don't necessarily know what you're getting yourself into in terms of all of the business type things that come along with that. Would that be the case for a lot of writers? Yeah, I think so. And I was having a conversation uh, with a friend the other day who said to me, I really now, and I think she's probably in her fifth or sixth year of being a freelancer, she said, I'm only now looking at myself as a micro business. Before, I just felt, I felt like it was a side hustle. I felt grateful for the gigs I had. And she's like, now I'm making decisions based on, is this a good opportunity for my business? And her business is just her, but it's a totally different frame of mind, I think, when you start to think about this as something that you are running and all the other work, all the admin, all the following up, all the invoicing, that is all part of running a business. So yes, you need to have those writerly skills, but you also have a have to have a whole host of other skills, which you learn, right? Yeah. I didn't have I didn't have any of those skills. I didn't I didn't come into this with those skills. I have patched them together along the way. Yeah. I think a lot of us went through that. I I certainly have for sure. You know, I never sort of started my business with the thinking that I would have to be the social media marketer, the content creator, Mm -hmm. the all of the things. I just wanted to like help people get organized and set up their tech and all that stuff. So yeah, I I get it. I think we all, um, we all have a big learning curve. Yeah. And sometimes you assume that 
people will find you. If they if they need your services, they will find you. But actually you do have to put mm. yourself out there. And for a lot of us, that's a big stretch too. Yes, absolutely. And obviously this is a gross generalisation, but for a lot of women in particular, having to market ourselves and sell ourselves in the case of being freelance writers, pitching to editors, it's not something that we necessarily always feel comfortable with or that it doesn't always come as naturally, I think, to women mm-hmm. as it might to men or maybe we're just not as confident um, or willing to fake it if we make it as yeah. as men, you know, sometimes can be. Yeah, I think that's mm. right. I think there's a lot of second guessing and what is it, anticipating and reading between the lines mm. that we can do as freelance writers, particularly female freelance writers, of I don't think this editor likes me, they haven't replied. There's a lot of personalising what happens, which I don't always think is that helpful, but I have done it and I still do mm. it, even though I know that there are probably a thousand different reasons why that editor hasn't replied to my email. <laughs> so for you in that, I guess, partly a transition. Obviously, you are still working as a freelance writer, but that that transition to creating courses and working with other freelance writers to mentor and teach them how to create a successful business out of freelance writing. Did you find that having those good writing skills and some of the business know-how easily transferred across to becoming, you know, a course creator and writing email sequences and sales pages and doing launches and all of that kind of thing? Such a good question because I think I never had that in my mind Mm. uh, that that is where I was going to end up. So initially I was writing my blog and then people would get in touch and say, do you do any coaching or mentoring? So then I was doing one-on-one coaching with people. I was helping them uh, look at their pictures and their stories as well as helping them come up with strategies for finding corporate clients. And then I found that people were asking me the same questions and I thought well there's probably an opportunity for me to create one thing one program for people to jump into and they can have all their questions answered plus there's a community that surrounds you and I think that's so powerful and I didn't think about any of the other (laughs) stuff like the email sequences the sales pages launching I just I think I'm much more of an ideas person. You probably know this, Laura, very well about me than an executor. Um, And so I didn't give a lot of thought to that. I do think um, it's easier for me. I've got friends who are in the course creation world who are not writers, and that's something that they really struggle with. But maybe from an organizational point of view, they've got their funnels mapped out and they've got their strategic content plans and they've got all that, which I, that is not a strength of mine. So I think. Yeah, though writing sales pages, that feels pretty comfortable to me. But I also don't have the background in copywriting. Mm. I didn't know that that there were all these copywriting kind of formulas. I didn't know that there were different stages of product awareness, all these things that I'm learning that I had no idea about. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think sometimes it's almost better to not know what you're should, in air quotes, be doing Mm. and like what are the right formulas and the right way to do it. Because when you, let's not go blindly into it, but when you're experimenting and just giving things a go, you get the opportunity to see what works for you. And maybe there's a different way that doesn't necessarily mean you have to follow the 
X, Y, Z for a, for a good sales page or whatever that might be. Yeah, I think that is such wise mm. advice. And I am only now kind of coming out of that haze, I think, of thinking I needed to, I need to implement things in a certain way to have, to replicate someone else's success. And it's this weird meta parallel process where in one of my courses where I teach people, teach established writers my methods for hitting 100K a year, I say to them, take all these methods and strategies, but make them your own. Do what works for you. And I think that that really is where I'm at too in terms of course creation and launching. There isn't one set path. You really have to do what works for you, but that can be scary. Yes, absolutely. But I 100% agree with everything you just said. <laughs> because, you know, I myself have also been through a similar process and also working with a lot of clients behind the scenes have really got to see that you actually don't have to do a, a launch in a specific way in order to guarantee, you know, a certain amount of success. And that, for example, if you're not good at or the idea of doing a live webinar just isn't your thing, then you're allowed to choose a different way to launch if you prefer to write and just write these really cool, engaging email sequences or something like that. So absolutely. Yes, you're speaking, <laughs> you are speaking my language because live webinars are not, are not my mm -hmm. thing at all. And yeah, and I think that that is the way that um, the digital course world has really been focused on live events to open open the cart and it is not my strength and I don't want to do it. And so I've just not not, not done it. <laughs> Is there anything in particular that you would say to people who might be listening that are course creators or thinking about doing their first launch for a service or something like that, that you might, any wisdom that you'd like to impart, things that you might think that are um, you know, great things to include on sales pages that you don't see as the norm or what is typically told from you know, a copywriter? Oh, that's a good question. I was, I was going to say something broader, which is you... This is one launch or one um, course in a long career of yours. And I think we can get quite fixated on, oh my gosh, this launch was a failure or um, this didn't work. But actually everything is just an iteration. And I remember being for my first course launch in 2020, so worried that it was going to be a flop that I had not prepared myself for it being a success. And mm. so in the middle of the cart, when I was overwhelmed with people signing up, I wanted to shut it all down. <laughs> and I just was so anxious because I had not conceived that so many people would buy this because everyone always says, often your first launch will be a bit slow. You might only get seven or eight signups or whatever it is. And I it really shocked me how physically I responded to that. Oh my gosh, another, oh my goodness, another person <laughs> has signed up and people were saying to me, this is great. This is amazing. And I was like, this is awful because what if I, I you know, I was just spiraling into self-doubt. What if I can't deliver? What if this doesn't meet their expectations? And really what I've learned is that nothing hangs on one launch like you learn from it you do different things if you've got a launch spreadsheet like some of my friends do and do a launch debrief which I try to do but don't always do <laughs> that's really helpful um, to to just keep the long-term view about this being part 
of your of building your business. Um, and in terms of specific advice around services or sales pages, I think one thing that I I don't know that anyone spoke about. It. I think people speak about it a lot more, but is capturing voice of customer. Mm. Like what are your ideal clients or students? How are they describing their challenges or their problems? And weaving that into your sales page or your copy or your conversations, your discovery calls with them, where you're reflecting back the struggles and the challenges as as well as their aspirations, that is a really powerful thing when someone sees themselves reflected on a page. Mm-hmm. Very sage advice there. I love that. Particularly about, you know, thinking about the long, the long game, right? You know, you're not in this mm-hmm. just for one launch. You can learn, you can grow, you can evolve, you can change things up next launch if you want to. So I think that's really great mm-hmm. advice. And there's immense freedom and flexibility yes. in that. And I love that. Like I can think, oh, maybe I could do this thing and I don't know if it's going to work. <laughs> and, you know, I'm about to do something like that and launch in the next week. And I think I don't really know how this is going to go, but it's so exciting to have that creativity and flexibility and freedom in my business. Yes, I love that. And coming back to what you were saying um, earlier about giving yourself permission to not follow the rules and what everyone says you should be doing and actually go, oh, I've had this great idea. I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm going to give it a go and see if it works out or not. And, you know, if it does, great. If it doesn't, well, you learn some things from it and you can try something else. So, yeah, I think that can be really powerful when you give yourself the, the freedom to experiment and play and just see what happens. Yeah, and one of my friends says you hold it lightly and I think that is exactly what we need to do that 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 um finding the fun in your business I mean that maybe sounds a bit trite but just yeah trying things and seeing how they go and not being so attached to the results and the other thing I think is with the launch that it's not over until it's over not until the cart closes is it over because there are lots of I get messages from friends who are like I haven't had any sales and it's day three and I'm just like just wait let's let's not talk let's not make any decisions yet until the cart closes yes absolutely as they say that middle part of the launch sometimes referred to as the dead zone because when you open the cart people who really were waiting for the opportunity and ready Mm -hmm. to buy will buy you know as soon as the cart opens and then the people who aren't sure will often wait till the very last minute and then make that decision so yes 100 percent agree now, changing topics ever so slightly, you know, in the last couple of months in particular, but obviously this has been coming for a while now, we've really seen the rise of AI and chat GPT and all of those kind of cool tools coming out now. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on whether or not you think AI is ultimately going to replace writers as such, or whether there are ways that we can use the, that technology um, in our businesses to kind of shortcut some of the groundwork or legwork, shall we say, but you're still doing, you know, the actual writing and the the stuff that really needs your input and your thoughts. Yeah, I think probably the latter. I mean, I do think that AI will take some writers' jobs. I think that is inevitable. And in fact, AI is doing 
so much already. It's writing real estate listings. It's writing some financial reports. And so it's already here. And if you're a writer who uses um, otter.ai for transcription or you use Grammarly, where it's embedded into our lives, mm. I think that there's a lot of worry when anything new comes mm. out. Like I... Uh, when Excel, the spreadsheet program came out and when ATMs came out, there was so much concern that bookkeepers and bank tellers were going to be out of a job. But actually what happened was their positions just became and their roles became more complex. The tasks that they had to execute became more complex. And I think the same will happen with writers, but I do think there's a really big opportunity to, for writers and people in general to upskill and make sure you know how to use that beyond you know get AI to write this blog post for me I mean I still think in some ways I think we're still learning to use that technology and work out how it's going to best sit with us but I've got a lot of friends who are using it to kind of frame out articles and then they will go in and add the sparkle they'll go in and add the strategy and I think that's the direction that we're heading I don't think it's going to do away with us totally no but I think we'll get rid of a lot of those content mill type jobs that were paying five dollars for a thousand words but for people who are wanting to earn a living from their writing and who are earning a living from their writing it's not yet at the point where it's replacing your strategy and your creativity and your intelligence. Mm, I love that. Very wise. So if people who have been maybe listening along to this and thinking, oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. I have always dreamed of being a writer and now you've just told me that it's possible. Much like, you know, your, your journey um, a little while ago. Where, where is a good place for them to start? Like, do you recommend that they um, do any kind of training or is it just jump in and give it a go and see what, what happens? I think if you're keen to start doing writing, I think the easiest, fastest way to get published is, and this is small, small steps, write a letter to the editor. They get published at small snappy 60 word opinion piece about something that's in the news then write an opinion piece if you have got something that you feel really strongly about it can be about anything it can be about how I don't know sand should be banned at beaches obviously I'm just making <laughs> that up and you'll have great ideas or um, a friend of mine wrote a um, opinion piece about how one a uh, soft drink was she felt like a soft drink company was not honest about the amount of caffeine or that there was any caffeine in their soft drink. She wrote an opinion piece about that and had published in national newspaper in Australia. So I think starting with an opinion piece, a personal essay, something that is close to your heart, I don't think you need any qualifications to do that. I think you can do that. Have a look at your um, newspaper in your city, have a look at the opinion pieces, who is writing them, get a feel for how long they are, how they start. You can write it, send it into the editor. That's in fact how I very originally got published. And that was years before I had 
any inkling that I wanted to be a writer. My auntie, who has a son who is my age, who has multiple disabilities, was telling me one day all about the difficulties that he faced and how difficult it was for her to get support. And I was outraged. And so I wrote an opinion piece to the editor. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I sent it off. And four days later, she rang me and she said, we're going to publish this. And so I think that's a great way to get started. Then I think if you're thinking about you want to write feature articles, so in, you know, going into your newsagent and picking up a magazine and you have an article in that magazine, it's really good to do a short course. So I have a course, but there are lots of other courses that you can do that will teach you how to write feature articles for magazines, newspapers, online outlets, because it's a, there's, there's a lot of the unknown. There's a particular process that you go through when you're pitching an editor, your story ideas, and there's a lot of nuances to it as well. So it, you could work it out yourself but you're probably going to be met with a lot of silence and rejection, whereas a course is often a shortcut to getting to that goal much quicker. And it's totally possible. Like I never, never, never thought that I would be a travel and food writer, but it's, um, it's amazing to me that this is where I'm at. When I was a social worker, I was like, this, I love being a social worker until I didn't and I found another path. I love that. And yes, great advice for, for people who might be listening in who love writing and always thought, well, if I wanted to start my own business, you know, the options are being a copywriter or something like that. I think, you know, hey, freelance writing is actually something that is possible and it's probably a lot easier than you maybe think that it might be just to get started. So thank you. Mm. And you can have a mix of content copywriting and feature writing. So you can write to magazines and newspapers, but you can also write some real estate mm. listings or write to your local bakery or whatever it might be as well. And that's a really nice mix. Yeah. Well, Lindy, thank you so much. That's been a really interesting conversation. And even for people who are listening who maybe not necessarily interested in becoming you know, a freelance writer. I think a lot of what you've shared is actually applicable to a lot of other types of businesses as well. So thank you for sharing all of that amazing wisdom. If people want to come and hang out with you online, find out a little bit more about you or find out about your courses and programs, where is the best place for them to come find you? So my blog is thefreelancersgear.com. And there's heaps of free resources and articles there, as well as all my courses and resources. Uh, and on Instagram, I've got two Instagram accounts. <laughs> so if you wouldn't be like Laura and look at my travel writing <laughs> and food writing, it's Lindy Alexander Writer. But my professional coaching course creating handle is at the freelancers year. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I'll make sure that we pop all of the links to all of those in the show notes so that people can come and find you. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a really great chat. Thank you, Laura. And thank you for supporting my business so beautifully too. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening into this week's episode. I hope that you really enjoyed hearing from Lindy and all of the wisdom that she has to share. You'll find all of Lindy's links and where you can find her online in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to go and follow her on Instagram as I do and see all of the cool, amazing travel adventures she gets to go on, 
or if you'd like to follow her writing account and learn more about becoming a freelance writer, you'll find all of the details in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the With Flow podcast. If you got value from this episode, I would be so grateful if you could share it with your friends or leave a rating and review in iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for helping me spread the word. See you on the next episode.